of the Comics Podcast. The Agents of the Comics Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Agents of E-Commerce podcast. I'm happy to say that you can now download this podcast directly from Spotify. Yay! So feel free to check us out there. In episode 6, we've got our conversation on loyalty with Jen McMillan, a loyalty guru and a CRM expert and the CEO and founder of Incendio. So Jen's awesome. I'm really excited to bring this conversation to you. She discusses lots of interesting ideas around loyalty program, program design, what not to do, and some of her favorite examples of loyalty done right and wrong. So have a listen, and feel free to reach out directly with any ideas about future podcasts at efmiller at gmail.com. Thanks. All right. Thank you for joining us for the sixth episode of the Agents of E-Commerce podcast. I am here today with Jen McMillan, who is the president, CEO, and chief accelerant of Incendio, which is Spanish, for those of you who don't know, for En Fuego, which is also Spanish, for you don't know, for igniting. Uh, Jen, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So, if um, so, the the topic of today du jour is going to be loyalty. Uh, Jen has a loyalty practice within Incendio, where she consults and provides guidance to a number of different companies on uh, numerous aspects of loyalty, CRM tactics and strategy. And we're going to go through a nice conversation today, uh, talking about some of her experience with some of the brands. But Jen, if you want to give a little more of, of your background, that would be awesome. Sure. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, as you said, I'm Jen McMillan, and I would say I'm probably best known in the loyalty space for being the creator of GameStop's Power Up Rewards program. And uh, that was pretty well known, still is pretty well known, um, multiple millions of members out there. Uh, probably the one of the proudest achievements of my professional career is building and launching Power Up Rewards. It was uh, one of those programs, those rare loyalty programs out there that truly changed the way that GameStop did marketing. And I mean, it changed the way we we bought real estate, the way that we did merchandise assortment. And I mean, it really had very far reaching um, tentacles throughout the entire business. So very proud of that. Um, I've been in the field, the loyalty field for uh, more than two decades, uh, giving away my age there. And, uh, you know, one of the first big programs that I ever worked on was the creation and the launch of Blockbuster Rewards, which, you know, again, I say for those of you under 35, Blockbuster <laughs> was this place that used to rent videotapes. And uh, so, but uh, no, I, um, we launched that in uh, 1997. And uh, it's just, it's amazing to think that that was uh, literally more than 20 years ago at this point. But yeah, so been around the block for a while and, um, but truly enjoy the space, which is why I've stayed. Awesome. Yeah. I think, you know, loyalty has really grown over the last two decades, as you could probably attest to due to some advancements in technology. And I think a lot of brands recognizing the importance of leveraging their customer relationships in new ways to access data, to, to do what they can to try to build, build those, those longer lasting relationships. You mentioned GameStop. My son's a big gamer. And so we've got the cards in the house and I know it very well, but I definitely have seen it um, and a number of different brands. And actually, in the news of late, there's been a lot of companies that have just announced totally relaunches of their loyalty programs from DSW to Nordstrom to PetSmart. It just mm-hmm. seems to be a wave right now 
of loyalty attention, which is, I think, great for, for folks and, and yourself as well. I wonder if you can maybe give us a little uh, more sort of the landscape of, of what loyalty means today, uh, some of the programs that we're seeing out there. Absolutely. Sure. Um, well, you know, a lot of people also use the words loyalty program and rewards program very interchangeably. And, you know, I would definitely say that there's a difference there because, you know, I would say a rewards program is something I would characterize as do this, then get this. And, you know, uh, the Subway Club card of old um, is a great one, right? Come in, buy 10 sandwiches, and we will give you one for free. And, you know, I would characterize that as a rewards program um, over a loyalty program, um, where a loyalty program is more about the whole choose me piece, right? Um, the relationship. And it's... Uh, there's a value proposition that speaks to you as a consumer where either it's something like, you know, I like the way that you treat me, right? Because either you recognize me as a valued customer and you treat me differently or the experience overall is better, right? Because for instance, I mean, like a great example are the airline programs, right? Uh, you know, as I, I flew yesterday and being able to get into the priority line to be able to board first, to make sure that there's a spot for my luggage. Uh, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that is, it's a little bit intangible, but that's the kind of stuff that makes me, you know, honestly consolidate my purchase with American airlines, even though the experience isn't always the best <laughs> uh, <laughs> understatement of the day. Yes. Um, but yeah. And, um, you know, so again, just in terms of the, the landscape out there, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I see professionally right now is that companies had a loyalty program that they launched um, seven, eight, 10 years ago, right? And the loyalty program did its job um, for what it was, right? I, I'll give you an example of a, a past client of mine, uh, Godiva. And so, you know, Godiva had a rewards program that was built, <clears throat> not by me, uh, this was uh, you know, about 10 years ago. And it was when the threat of malls, uh, you know, completely imploding was very real, you know, and a lot of Godiva stores are based in malls. And so the program was built to really capture mall traffic. And, um, you, know, you know, fast forward, um, you know, the program's been great at collecting data, but now what's happened is that it's certainly delivered on its original promise, but, you know, there's a key element, um, you know, that's missing from the program, which is, uh, you know, again, I could spend a hundred bucks, you could spend two bucks and we both get the same reward. And so, you know, so a lot of programs out there right now are overhauling. And um, I mean, I definitely see a lot of trends in program design out there, but, um, you know, I think a lot of brands right now are doing a little bit of a pivot um, because not only have the tools really gotten great in terms of being able to capture and utilize the data, but it truly is just time for some programs to go through a creative and programmatic refresh. Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense, especially as the competition are all moving into this more personalized world of loyalty. And so they to, to sort of keep up uh, uh, because you only have so much headspace as a consumer for yeah. so many programs that, that you really care about. And I think they're vying for that, both the, the wallet share and sort of the headspace, the consciousness of the brands that you really want to associate yourself with. But you definitely uh, started to speak a bit about sort of the loyalty, the design of these programs and the shifts that you're seeing there. I do think that that's something that, that me as opposed to the consumer and as, and as a retail professional, these are things that I think are going to matter a lot to the folks listening to this podcast. You know, what, what, what should we expect to see? What are customers expecting from loyalty programs these days? Sure. Uh, well, the, the sad truth is that loyalty programs have become ubiquitous. And I mean, it, it is when you, when, when your dry cleaner has a loyalty program, you know, and he's just Joe's dry cleaner, um, you know, that, you know, the technology and, um, you know, the ability to launch a loyalty program has become pretty much ubiquitous. So, um, the, you know, the challenge, of course, always is to differentiate yourself. 
And, uh, you know, how, how do you pick me over, over my competitor, right? And how do I do it? So a lot of things that I see, uh, so a lot of stuff that we do, the work we do at Incendio is, uh, is, is that pivot point, right? Where we look at an existing program and we say, right, what, what, have, what needs have changed for the consumer? You know, what does she need? Um, how do we make the program better? How do we make it more seamless, et cetera? So I would say one of the first big things that um, we're asked to do a lot is how do we reduce friction in the programs? And, uh, you know, again, how do we make it very seamless? And, you know, not only does that translate through the channels, right, um, because I would say a definite, a second really huge trend, of course, is like mobile first. And, uh, you know, because she wants to be in control of, of what she's doing and the reducing friction piece, you know, a lot of programs as they got older, they started to add in a lot of benefits, uh, again, to keep it fresh and, um, you know, as consumer, as they wanted to retain the more valuable consumers, they gave better benefits to the top tiers, et cetera. And honestly, a lot of programs out there became kind of kludgy where you really, it was very difficult, you know, for instance, like in retail for someone, you know, manning the counter to be able to really articulate the value proposition. So one thing that we're seeing a big trend is that, um, reducing friction. And in some cases you see companies moving away from the traditional points programs. So that's one of the big trends out there. And what's what's sort of the alternative then for for if, if I want to give up my points, what's a place you tend to see these companies going towards? Uh, either it's going to be like what I would call a spend and get program. So for instance, uh, spend fifty dollars and this unlocks. Spend a hundred dollars, this unlocks. Right? Shop during this time period and this happens for you. Right? Where they're really trying to uh, drive behavior. And so like in restaurants, um, you know, Panera is their program's a great example where, for instance, they try and drive you into different day parts. Okay. So I'm sure, you know, a lot of people have been to Panera. Um, chances are you probably went for lunch, right? They do a killer lunch business. Um, maybe breakfast, right? Good place to meet up, have coffee, have a quiet meeting in the morning. But um, not a lot of people choose Panera for dinner. And so, you know, a lot of things that they've done with their loyalty program is they try and switch you among day part. And, you know, so if they only see you at lunch, they'll try and lure you back you know, with a, with a dinner offer, that type of stuff. And so, I mean, that also plays into, you know, another one of the big trends out there, which is, um, like the gamification stuff with things like scratch to win, like, you know, where you can use your finger just on your mobile device and unlock a discount that type of stuff, um, or random rewards, those type of things. I mean, as a matter of fact, um, Panera is also a great example of a loyalty program that was actually built on gamification principles. And so if you remember way back from high school, when, uh, we all were first exposed to, um, Pavlov and, you know, uh, the salivating dogs and running rats through the maze and all that fun mm -hmm. stuff, you know, and it was, you know, what they found, um, to refresh those of you who may not be, um, uh, on top of your Pavlov stuff, but, um, you know, he'd run a rat through a maze and at the end of it, if the rat pressed the, uh, lever, a pellet popped out. Right. So what happened was the, you know, the rat certainly got to know the maze and they got faster and faster and faster. Right. So very repetitive behavior. But then what they found was that, um, if you actually made the pellet random, it actually, believe it or not, made the behavior actually stronger. And so um, that randomization, you know, that gamification of, of the whole process, um, this is actually what most casinos programs are built on, right? The fact that you get a reward in a very unpredictable way, it actually makes your behavior very sticky. And so, you know, that's the kind of stuff, um, you know, some of the tactics that are out there today in terms of, uh, you know, gamifying programs, making them fun, making them a little bit random and um, so that you're very pleased uh, when you do get a reward. 
you know, I could see that being uh, having a big impact because part of what you're trying to do is is create sort of continuous engagement. And one way to to get me interested is surprise and delight. And mm-hmm. that's, I think, a little bit of what you're talking about there when it comes to sort of gamifying. And I think it, it also marries up to, to, to my viewpoint around personalization because they could seem random or could they could be very specific offers tailored to bring you to that next behavioral sort of checkpoint, right? You mentioned Panera. Mm-hmm. Make sure I come to dinner to get my broccoli and cheddar soup, which is probably their best thing they got going um but uh, uh at a uh, dinner time coupon for something like that so i see what you're saying but it's also very uh, specific to me and it knows my diet it knows what i eat because it, they track all that data as well mm-hmm. yeah actually i mean that actually plays into another one right which is marketing automation and this is, you know, a lot of the tools out there, like a lot of people, you'll hear discussion about machine learning and AI. And with marketing automation, I mean, that that is a big trend right now in, in program design. So a great example would be, um, for instance, Starbucks, right? And uh, <clears throat> they they will serve up different offers to uh, different people, right? Again, based on your behavior. And so this is where, you know, three of us one day traveling together all looked at our, we all got different offers from Starbucks that day. And, you know, for me, um, I'm an iced tea drinker. I don't ever really drink coffee. And I normally come in the morning and you don't usually see me after that. And so mine was a day part shifting offer, right? Where they're trying to get me into the the afternoon piece as well as um, offering me a half off drink. So bring a friend, right? And, you know, double the ticket. Um, my friends got ones uh, that they had never bought food at Starbucks. So theirs was a food offer. And uh, the other person was a product switching offer, right? Where they all they did was buy drip coffee. So probably one of the cheapest things on the menu. And they were trying to upsell them into a fancier drink. And so it was really interesting because, you know, again, that's, um, I think a lot of people participate in Starbucks program. And, um, you know, and again, whether you're as attuned to the, you know, the offer behaviors and all that kind of stuff, but, you know, they've got some sort of algorithm behind the scenes where they're really learning your behavior and using your data to try and, and affect um, future purchase, which I think is always pretty cool. And I think you as a consumer in this day and age, you kind of expect that um, if you're going to be providing that data, that there has to be something in it for you as well, sure. right? Because there's value there to to that engagement and that information. Uh, and it seems like a lot of companies are, are moving more and more down the path uh, as using loyalty almost as a loss leader for data collection. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, you know, I always have to laugh because, um, you know, loyalty program design is is a key piece of what I do for a living. But I always I always say, and I, I actually said this yesterday. I said, you know, the cake is the data, right? The icing is the loyalty program. Your outwardly facing piece, you know, to consumers. Um, you know, here in Texas, we'd say it's the lipstick on the pig. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I don't want to say data is the pig. But I mean, but that's where I mean that's your bread and butter. And I mean, that's, that's how you're going to actually make that you're going to be able to scale and make the moves that are going to change consumer behavior and, you know, get them to do what you desire them to do. Hmm. I think, you know, on the flip side of that, though, I would agree. Um, are you seeing challenges as well in the loyalty space with companies struggling how to handle that data? Uh, what, you know, what, what best to do with it? I mean, they've got it. Uh, are you seeing sort of maturity or still a lot of struggle out there in, in, in managing and understanding how best to leverage the information they have it access to? I, you know, I still think it's a struggle. And, uh, you know, when, when big data, when that term was first thrown around, 
Uh, I think people were a little bit nervous by it. It sounded kind of big brothery, you know, with the whole big data thing. But I mean, there's certainly a ton of a ton of tools out there uh, these days that'll help you manage it. But you know, for the for the bigger companies. Um, they still struggle because, you know, especially like the really, really, really big boxes out there, right. Our, our big legacy retailers and stuff. I mean, they, they have such a massive infrastructure underneath what they're doing. And, you know, candidly, I mean, I, I have never seen a, a, a seamless department when it comes to, you know, managing data because there's legacy systems, there's old technology, um, you know, certainly for the big retailers uh, out there, it's tough to spend, to be able to get everybody to be cohesive, right? I mean, because it, it could, you know, look like a complete replacement of your POS system, right? Which is a massive undertaking. So, you know, I still think it's a little bit of a mess. Um, I will say that I think too, that because we have access to so much data out there these days, I mean, really having a good handle on what data you can actually use um, to make informed decisions is really key because, you know, again, it's an ocean and I mean, you could, you could drown <laughs> with, you know, with all mm -hmm. the data out there. And again, trying to actually manage all that. I just, it, that it, to me, it sounds like a Sisyphean task and, um, you know, I say go, go for your 10 or 12 best pieces of data and make decisions off that. Right. I, I, I totally agree with you. And I, and I think you're also seeing a lot of um, systems platforms being focused on leveraging AI and machine learning to try mm -hmm. to filter through that, to try to find the patterns uh, and get to some meaning that we as humans just don't have the, the capacity to right. to understand. Yeah. I mean, I was I was trained as a database marketer when I was just a puppy. And <laughs> I mean, you know, we're, we're trained to look for patterns in data. But I mean, you know, it was more than a decade ago where, you know, my human brain power was absolutely leapfrogged by just desktop tools available to me. So yeah, I'm like, don't be afraid of technology. Don't be a Luddite. So a couple more trends out there in loyalty program design. I think a lot of people are definitely seeing that programs are becoming more experiential and less promotional. Uh, you know, being promotional is, I think, kind of expected. But, you know, the more coupons you throw out there, uh, the more discounts you throw out there, it is just it is a race to the bottom for everyone. And, you know, especially as you tear up in programs, as you, as you rise, you know, there's a lot more things available to you, like, you know, concierge services, private shopping hours, those type of things. And, you know, in, in our era of, you know, social media sharing, people love exclusive stuff and, you know, the behind the scenes things and the first access and, you know, first in line, that type of stuff. So I definitely see that as part of uh, also what's happening out there in loyalty program design. Yeah, I definitely think that sort of with that those type of um, programs, the the discounts, the offers, uh, they really need to be tailored to those that, that need them, as opposed to sort of the blanket uh, discounting that we're seeing. However, you know, you have companies like Bed Bath Beyond that have made their business through that type of blanket offer, and even though they as well are going through through the paid program. Uh, approach. They definitely are, are, are experimenting and trying to find the right mix uh, there as well. Yeah. I mean, funny you say that because, you know, again, you know, you asked me trends in program design, um, paid programs are absolutely still in the hunt out there. And, you know, it's like in the loyalty space, there's always these discussions, you know, that paid programs are dead, et cetera. But I mean, there are some really good paid programs out there. And uh, honestly, it's all about the value proposition. Funny that you should mention Bed Bath and Beyond because you know they've just launched their paid program, which uh, for twenty nine dollars a year you can 
get a 20% perpetual discount, free shipping, et cetera. And, um, you know, uh, odd that people would pay to be in it, in my opinion, because you can, you can open up the app and get a 20% off coupon right there. But again, you know, if free shipping is important to you, then I understand why, why that's interesting. But, um, you know, I think for them, um, you know, every senior team and every retailer in America is saying, what is our response to Amazon prime? And I think that is why paid programs are still in the hunt out there. But, you know, with every paid program, the question is, is the value proposition enough to hook in a consumer to actually pay you an annual fee? Right. So that's that, there's that trade-off that we're all, as both retailers and consumers, having to make. Uh, is it worth the investment? Are we going to get the return both on the program side and as the customer uh, from a discount and, and uh, standpoint? Yeah. Because, you know, again, you know, I, I go back to GameStop's program. And with Power Up Rewards, there is a paid component that's $15 a year. You get a magazine as part of it, but you also get um, you get better deals in terms of trading in your merchandise. So you're always guaranteed something better than someone who just walks in off the street. You get more points for doing things and, you know, your points add up to rewards. So there's definitely, definitely like a, a very, very clear, you know, value proposition there. Um, GNCs, my GNC rewards, which, uh, you know, full disclosure is a program that I helped build, but, um, the paid level on that one, I mean, you customize your boxes every quarter and then you get samples that are geared to your interests in terms of, of health. So, you know, you could be a bodybuilder, you get something very different than I do as I'm interested in holistic health, you know, so my, my products and your products, like we'll each get very different things, but you know, it's meant to, again, to expose you to different products and you know, if the value proposition is right for you, then, you know, why not jump into a paid program? So Jen, thanks. Is there anything else in customer loyalty design you think would be interesting to the audience here? You know, I'd say the last thing that I'd love to raise as a, a trend happening in loyalty program design is really putting the control with the consumer. And, you know, as you mentioned at the beginning, um, Nordstrom, right, the Nordy Club, which we've all been seeing tease ads for that, uh, they have they've changed their program to make it again, again, all about customer control. So if you participate in Nordstrom's current loyalty program, um, your certificate, your reward certificate triggers um, at, a, at $20. And uh, so that it takes a while to get there though. I mean, a $20 spend when, or to get a $20 reward when you don't have the credit card, you know, you, you've really got to spend a ton. Um, so one of the big features that they've just introduced is that you can actually ask for your reward certificates. You can control the cadence at 5, 10, 15, and 20. So that's just, you know, one example of where, um, you know, allowing the consumer to actually dictate their experience as part of the program, um, you know, consumer choice, it's a big deal. So I'd say that's um, probably another big key thing out there. Jen, thanks for going through some of those components of, of program design. I think that's great. Uh, one question I always think about uh, is is where are some of the mis- most frequent mistakes that we're seeing retailers make out there when it comes to loyalty and you're seeing these these mistakes time and time again? Mm. Uh, so mistakes are made and <laughs> it happens, right? Uh, you know, I got to say one example is the biggest one is not using the data, right, to direct your consumer communications. And, um, you know, as I mentioned uh, about Starbucks, right, I'm high up in their program, right? I, I hit gold, um, which you have to buy 30 drinks or 30 items. I mean, I, I hit gold probably before the month of February was out. And, um, but the other day I received an email that if I joined the um, rewards program for Starbucks, that they would give me instant gold status. 
And I was actually kind of bummed about that because not only as a person who actually earned my gold status, um, but that they would just give it away willy nilly. And I just, I was actually really surprised that they weren't linking back my data with my account, which, you know, I'm online registered, I, you know, load up on a regular basis, etc. So that was, that was interesting. So not using the data, I would say is the cardinal sin of, of, um, you know, retailers out there in the loyalty space. But, um, you know, again, I would say not honoring the social contract is a big one, where I give you my data, but you don't do anything with it. Hmm. And um, I'll give you an example, if you want to slap someone's hand out there. I'd say Lowe's with their loyalty program, right? My Lowe's where they collect a lot of data on me. I have a Lowe's credit card, but I cannot recollect in any instance where I've actually gotten a communication from Lowe's that actually would be, um, I consider tailored to my interests or my needs. I mean, not even something as easy as, um, hey, Jen, it's fall back, you know, time to change your batteries in your smoke detector. So mm -hmm. come on into Lowe's and get some batteries. And hey, do you have a carbon monoxide detector to protect your family? If not, we sell those too, you know? And so, um, you know, for me, you know, I give you a lot of data, right? You know what color I paint my house, you know what kind of carpet I buy, you know my spending habits in your box. But yet again, there's, there's nothing there that tells me that you're actually listening to me. Yeah, those sound like two two pretty bad sins, not using the data. And and I think part of what Starbucks did that upset you was sort of devaluing your status yeah. by offering it up to others. You know, you worked for that, dang it. That's right. You drank a lot of coffee. You, you know, you <laughs> palpitated your heart several times and they're gonna just give it away. Like That's I right. mean, it sounds like you're pretty hooked, so they've got you. But but you could see how that can burn some bridges, uh, especially when those communications are sent to you. Yeah. And I say this, the last one on, on big mistakes is, you know, the, the big, you know, the, the big stuff in, in loyalty and CRM, right. Is, uh, about relevancy and, you know, and by de facto, right. Personalization. And for the retailers that have the data who do not personalize their communications to customers and send them just, you know, whatever is on their marketing calendar is what you get. And, you know, I, for instance, I don't have children, but um, I have been getting emails from a retailer about um, extra long twin sheets to send my child off to college, which <laughs> I have a child to send to college, you know, and uh, or they think that either I'm a teenage girl, which I'm almost 50, um, because they keep sending me uh, juniors clothing. Uh, promotions. So, you know, and again, if you looked into my data, you could see, you could probably guess by the brands that I buy that I'm probably, you know, an older consumer. And so for me, that's just, it's, it's one of those things that makes it very easy to unsubscribe because, you know, again, I have willingly volunteered my data to you. I have given you my phone number at POS to identify myself as part of your loyalty program, but you completely fail me every time by showing me things that are completely irrelevant to me. And mm -hmm. so, you know, from a customer engagement perspective, it is just, it's tough to, to hang in there with the retailers that are, you know, when, when their competition is just absolutely smoking them in terms of being able to use the data to personalize and make it relevant. So Jen, that's that's great, and it sounds like to do this right, obviously, it is an investment. But I think many companies are, are understanding the importance of it. Uh, I guess one question I have is: Is loyalty right for for everybody out there? Is it something they should all be evaluating for their business? I say yes. 
in under under the umbrella of customer retention. Because I would say there's probably some businesses out there that having a loyalty program would be a hard sell. So for instance, um, I doubt there's a company out there that sells nothing but hot water heaters. But you know, again, how much how often are you in the market for a hot water heater, right? So perhaps a formal loyalty program might not be appropriate for them, but I would say yes to some sort of CRM program. And you know, again, everybody loves to hear uh, to get offers and little nice greetings on their birthday. And again, that could be the most basic customer relationship management program out there is just to send someone a note. And again, is that loyalty? No. But is it, you know, retention? Is it um, CRM? Yeah, it is. And again, you just, you know, it's, it's, it's the relationship piece that I think every business could benefit from. But formal loyalty, probably not right for everyone. Uh, to your point that, that it not being right for everyone, but companies realize that when they're trying to get those that retention, when they're trying to get those repeat purchases, when they have a cadence of business that they're trying to to build up, whether it's even seasonality, I think you mentioned some of that before with uh, with Lowe's. That's a huge opportunity to to leverage those relationships to try to show that you have a good sense of what that customer needs by providing the information or the content or the offers that are, that are relevant at those times. You know, and I would say too, I mean, uh, you know, one of the the nicest things that happens in my own business is a referral. And, uh, you know, that's the stuff that builds your business is when uh, a current customer feels good enough about um, what you provide, your value proposition, that they would refer you out to one of their friends, their family members, one of their customers. I mean, that's that's probably the nicest thing that could happen. So, you know, again, I, I think there's room for all types of CRM programs out there. And, um, you know, and I think we're all consumers, right? And I think we all appreciate when there, there's just there's an element of human connection, or specialness, or at least acknowledgement in relationships with with a vendor. Definitely, awesome. Well, Jen, thank you so much for taking this time. And now I want to give you sort of a couple minutes. If there's anything you want to describe about your business or how best to reach you, I mean, I'll definitely have some links in the comments in this podcast. But uh, feel free to, to let folks out there know how to get in touch. Well, thank you for that. Uh, so again, my business is uh, named Incendio, and um, that is spelled I-N-C-E-N-D-I-O. Our website is incendioworks.com, which is a nice little play on the word fireworks. And uh, we can, you know, you can check us out, see what we do. Um, you know, what I tell people in my elevator speech is that we help companies build and fix their CRM and loyalty programs. And we would love to help you do that. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for the time and uh, look forward to hearing more about your loyalty business in the future. Thank you for having me.